Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63 here with Buck and Lou. It's Season 3, Episode 18. Uh, this week we are still the only ranked Loyola Chicago men's basketball podcast, but now we're the only one that is ranked number 21. Uh, that's right, we moved up a spot. So we will be talking about that this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the only game we had last week, which was a close win. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be talking about some of our prospects, some of our commitments, uh, just giving a little check-in, see how they're doing now that Illinois basketball has kicked off. Um, we have a couple odds and ends we want to talk about, about the Valley, um, and then we'll probably finish it up with some talk about Arch Madness, uh, two-bid Valley, and maybe three-bid Valley. Um, but Lou, what are you looking forward to talking about this week? Uh, really just kind of highlighting such a interesting game last week. I have to say that was what a showing from both teams. Um, also kind of interesting, you and I talked off before the podcast, just the ramifications of the rest of the season and um, what it looks like uh, going into, again, we're a week away roughly from um, Arch Madness. So, um, right? Are we a week away? Two weeks away? Uh, uh, yeah, this weekend we'll be, we're about like 10 days away. 10 well, days no, away. we're... A week, right? Because today, uh, no, a week from tomorrow. Well, this podcast will figure out when we're playing in Arch Madness. Well, at some you know, point, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But again, that's kind of the the gist of it. It's kind of realizing that the we got the last two games of our season coming up this weekend. Kind of crazy to have a weekend without games. I have to say, it was weird mm-hmm. as a fan. But um, uh, really excited to talk uh, uh, about the number twenty one team in the nation. Awesome. Let's get to it. Uh, all right, guys. Don't forget. Always remember, go Blairs. And we are back. All right. So uh, let's start off with what we've been starting off with the past few weeks, and that is our AP ranking. Um, So this is the third week in a row we have now been ranked. Um, Last two weeks, we were at 22. This week, we're at 21. Um, So moving on up. Um, We're smacked in the middle between Arkansas and San Diego State. And this week, we actually passed up Wisconsin, which is uh, kind of interesting considering we lost them earlier in the year. But, you know, a lot has changed since then. Um, Wisconsin's still ranked 23. Um, and uh, Drake is also still receiving votes. They are they received 19 votes this past week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to last week. Like, I, I didn't really expect to be here, like, 21. I... Even though we only won by two, a lot there was a lot of movement sort of at the back end of the top 25 um, with Wisconsin losing, Missouri lost. I think Tennessee lost to Kentucky. Those are all three teams behind us. Um, I still think Belmont deserves to be ranked, but like that's me supporting another mid-major uh, school. Um, but then to move up a spot two is even kind of cooler. It's just like there's a big gap, I think, between... Like, even us in, in Arkansas, and then above them, like, Arkansas and USC. Like, those they're, those teams above 20, are, they're receiving a lot of votes. Now, is, are you saying that because it's the, the name of the school or who they play? I'm just intrigued. What? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that, for sure. Like, it, it, like the name recognition. Um, I don't think the Pac-12, is, is especially, is getting a ton of um, credit. Like, 
credit's the wrong word, um, name recognition this year. Like, of course, they're getting more name recognition than us or, say, like, Houston and the AAC or Belmont. Um, but, like, some of those teams like Arkansas, Texas Tech, um, even, like, Missouri and Tennessee, like, those SEC, uh, Big Ten teams, um, and even the Big 12, too. Like, they definitely get, like, a little bit of extra push because, oh, well, you lost to a, a 10 and 8, you know, Kansas State team or a Kentucky team who really should be good, but they just haven't put it together. And then they only fall like two spots or something, like Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think we're appropriately ranked. I'm not complaining about our ranking. Mm-hmm. It just, like, for me, like some of those other teams, uh, like Belmont and, uh, even BYU, I think, is a very good team. Um, some of those mid-majors, I think, deserve the chance to be in the top 25. Um, Lou, what were you thinking about our ranking this week? Definitely exciting. Like, I'm not going to deny that it's an exciting place to be in, especially in the times we're playing. Um, again, like you said, it, it's really interesting to see where we falter and all kind of move up. Is it shift up, shift down? Kind of what the look of it come every Monday morning is because – Again, we're, we're not technically in a top-tier conference. We're in the mid-major. So, again, you have, what, teams that are sitting near us or behind us or even ahead of us that have more losses than us. And it's like people are like, of course, we're like, well, why is they higher? And it's like, well, they value those losses better than our three, our, what, four losses? Mm-hmm. So it's like, like Arkansas sitting right ahead of us with five losses. Texas Tech, Kansas, both have seven. They're a good bit away. So, again, I, I understand while they're ahead. I think no matter what for our team, it's the nearly some of the, what, the best situation we could be in, especially after such a shaky game from, again, from a tough Valpo team, I guess you could say, or a Valpo team that knocked off Drake. So, again, Valpo's got a quad one win. Um, so, again, it's just really interesting. Wisconsin, they got eight losses, and they're sitting just two spots away from us. But, again, that Big Ten losses mean a lot. I would love to see Wisconsin, though, creep back up because it looks good for our loss. Again, yeah. you kind of got to think of it retrospect. Um, that's the one team we've lost to besides Drake that is anywhere near or in the top 25. I haven't seen Richmond. Richmond was in this early. I don't know where they've been at lately, and I haven't tracked. So, again, it's it's an interesting spot. I think it's new territory for us. So, let's be honest. I think we're happy and really excited to be in the top 25. Again, what we haven't been in in, what, 30-plus years? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really exciting thing, and it's ours to lose, I personally think. I don't think uh, we'd be – I'm going to say it, and I'm going to knock on wood any people who have superstitions or anything. I think it's ours to lose because I don't think voters are going to not vote us with the way we've won. Even though we've only even though we've only lost four, those are still four. Two of them are kind of bad losses. Maybe one, again, to Drake, where we'll consider it's not bad. So the one in East End, yeah. absolutely horrible. But how many of our wins are blowouts? And that's what, what that's why we're getting votes, I think, more than anything, is that we show dominance not only on offense when we blow teams out, but our defense is holding teams under 60 points a game. That's what's dictating our voting, in my opinion. That's what's getting us to 888 votes. It's it's really not, oh, if you, if they only lost two, well, if we lost two to um, Southern Illinois and Evansville, I don't think those two losses would look great, even mm-hmm. if there were only two. But it's the fact of how we win, how we even lose to Drake. We lost by one. Um, so I think that's that's what it really comes down to is how we play. 
both losing and winning, and I think I don't hope to see any more lose L's in the columns coming soon. I want to get above 20 wins. I want to hit 20 wins. I love seeing 20 wins. So seeing 21 right now in the rankings is pretty sweet, and I think we can get there and win. So that, yeah. that's all I got for the rankings. Do you mind if I go on a rant for a little bit? Do we ever care when we go on rants? <laughs> no. Let's go. Okay. So I, something I, I saw that bothered me this week um, was uh, someone – oh, Seth Davis actually quote-tweeted something about a technical foul call in the game between Texas and West Virginia – um, basically West Virginia fast break goes up for the layup gets blocked by a Texas player, but is fouled. And the Texas player either like claps his hand, says, it says a bad word, but kind of to himself, like he's off on the sideline. And the only reason the ref can hear it is because there's no fans in the stadium. He gets called for a technical foul on top of a foul, two shot foul. Um, it's something we've kind of brushed up on a few times. Um, and it's happened to us in the past, like, specifically to Marquise Kennedy, but I just can't stand that for this year, they have decided that they are going to listen in to all the, the players reactions in a very intense game, whether it's, whether it's a, you know, a, a high major like game like that, Texas, West Virginia, or it's a game like us, or it's a game in a low major. I've seen it in low majors too. It's just, it, it's, to me, like these weak technical fouls are something that is actively ruining college basketball. Um, you don't see it called in professional basketball um, to the same extent, and it, it's just frustrating. Like it, 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 and most of the time, the technical fouls happen on a very important basket because the guys are emotional about what has happened. So. I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up. I really hope that this isn't a problem when we get into Arch Madness and eventually March Madness, too. Not just for us, like just college basketball in general. Um, it's just something that was on my brain recently. Um, in addition, you know, I, I do think it's like a, I tweeted it out. I do think it's like a top 10 problem um, of the league. And maybe maybe at some point over the offseason, I'll, uh, I'll put together a little list of like, of like top 10 things or something that, that I think is wrong with college basketball right now. Um, but I appreciate you giving me the space. How do you, you know, just quickly, do you, do you, do you agree? Is it some, or am I just being crazy? You probably are being a little crazy, but no, let's be honest. Like it's a different, I do think we've seen some fouls called in our games that are like, really what? Um, and it was like, it's more of the situation where it's like, Hey, what is going on with these calls? And then maybe it's, again, I think we've kind of seen calls not go our way, such as goaltending, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like, maybe they're just more aware of these calls now because they can hear things. I don't know. Um, I also think players kind of got to be aware of their surrounding if they're near. Mm -hmm. um, but then, uh, yeah, it's so tough because sometimes you'll have guys who just say something in the heat of the moment and they're not directing it at anyone. They're not really saying it at any particular coach or anyone. And it's like, well, we now get a tech. And it's like that could get someone a game. That could cost them a, a basket. So it is interesting, I think. And it's just something to really look out for. Again, like you said, when we get into tournament plays and kind of games are on the line. So that's what we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now back into some, uh, some, some news and some, some real stuff to talk about. Um, there was some significant Valley news uh, this past week, kind of the past like 10 days. Um, we'll start off with the little bit of a, 
uh, the easier one to talk about, and that is um, that Roman Penn, the starting point guard of Drake, most likely um, first-team All-Valley, if not definitely second-team All-Valley, um, is going to be out for the remainder of the season. I think it's a broken foot, broken ankle, something to that extent. Um, yeah, broken super- foot. I think he, he has to have foot surgery or something. Yeah, I think it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Super unfortunate news. I mean, he is just playing outstanding for them this year. He's really been their go-getter when they need a basket. He's, you know, their their floor general. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to be a force for them for years to come. Um, he is a really, really talented player. And it's really unfortunate that they've had now these two injuries in the past, you know, two or three weeks uh, kind of pile up for them. But... Um, apparently his his backup uh, did not have any issues because he went out and he went he was the co-player of the week in the valley this year. I think he scored like thirty-two and thirty-six. Uh, Joe yeah, thirty. Yusefu. Yeah, Yusefu, I think. Yeah, and again, if we're saying it wrong, we apologize. But Yusefu, man, it is one great name to say when they're not when you're not when I when I see Yusefu not playing against Loyola because mm-hmm. the way he went off thirty plus points in both games. Unreal, really, really showing the strength. And again, just it's really interesting to see the the guys on Drake's the next guy stepping up. It is really, really interesting. I have to say, um, yeah. so just a matter of time until um, till more guys step up for them. But it's just really interesting so far, especially losing a guy like Roman Penn so late in the season and such a a crazy and critical time for Drake at least. Yeah, we'll have to see if uh, if they are able to kind of pick up his slack. I did see um, they played Evansville, I believe, this past weekend, and uh, they were playing six players total the whole game. Uh, I think three players played 39 or 40 minutes. I think it was just crazy. Like I, I Their rotations are going to be so slim. Um and I don't, I, you know, we'll have to just keep an eye on it. If they can pull it off, that's incredible. Like, you know, good on them. But uh, I think when, especially in back-to-backs, which they still have one more back-to-back this weekend. And then when you get to the tournament, it's going to be even more difficult. Um, so just something to watch. Um, they've done a good job so far filling in for him. But uh, let's see what happens uh, down the stretch. Um, you know, and obviously we want to wish him the best. Like, hopefully he recovers fully. Hopefully he's back to um, playing for them next season uh, come fall time. So, um, unfortunate news. Uh, the other uh, – did you have any – sorry, did you have any last thoughts on that before we move on? No, no. no okay. Um, the next thing uh, we are going to talk about, um, I've kind of been reading up on it because I don't want to – I didn't want to talk too soon about it. I didn't want to – overstep anything um but i do think it's it's pertinent because um it does seem like it's something that uh is going to continue at least it has continued according to the uh coach wardle from bradley um these specific players are not going to be playing this weekend either um so about uh this report is from the 17th of february so about a week ago now before um, before Bradley was set to take on Missouri State, it sounds like uh, originally there were four players involved, but now it's just three. Um, three players appeared in a police report uh, that from this story, which is the Springfield newsletter leader that's in Missouri, Springfield, not Illinois. 
Um, the report says that there was an incident report obtained by the news leader classifying an incident as a sex offense that was not rape. Um, and the reason we want to bring this up is because it is a very serious issue. It does regard um, three players, uh, Elijah Childs, Terry Nolan Jr., and Daniel Kingsby of Bradley, um, who are all uh, have been very good players for Bradley uh, for, for multiple years, especially in Elijah Child's case. Um, and uh, I particularly wanted to bring it up because I um, I tweeted about it, but it, it changes my perspective of these players. Um, I'm not going to remember Elijah Childs for um, being a top 10 Valley player for two going on three years now. Um, depending on, on this case and the allegations, um, I will have a different memory of them and of Bradley in general. Um, I do think coach Wardle, at least for now has been handling it appropriately. There's no reason why these guys should be playing. Um, and he has, um, he has said it, it was a, a violation of program standards and, um, that they are not going to be playing. So, uh, just kind of wanted to to make sure our listeners knew about that. If they had any you know questions or something like that, hopefully we could bring that up and kind of clear up any confusion. But um, they are not playing this weekend, and they are not going to be receiving any senior day festivities, uh, at least for the two seniors. Um, so kind of just a tough thing, but I felt like it was necessary to talk about. Lou, I don't know if there's if there's really much to add. I don't mean to laugh. It's just you know kind of my way of dealing with serious stuff. But um, I don't. Do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, I think like you said, the one thing I want to add is just like the, the stuff like this is when you start getting written about in the media for bad things is how you get remembered, and that's why I think it's so important that our guys and the team get written about in good ways because they're good guys and they're being leaders on and off the court. So. It's impactful. You saw Evansville last year, again, not with players, but coaches get in trouble with uh, the law and the coach got let go because of a serious um, issue that he caused. And he, and again, it's on these people's actions, but again, it ripples effects for many things from players, coaches to fans. And it kind of, it really doesn't, uh, in my opinion, look good or it just casts a really big shadow on the program. So it's tough to see. And it's just something, again, we, we just want to talk about because that really impacts them, the team as well. Um, and what what team is going to be playing out on the court? So again, uh, just one of those things you just see, hate to see. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, where we wanted to end that portion. Um, moving on from that, uh, we did want to talk a little bit about um, our commitment, our commits coming in for next year, seniors in high school, uh, Ty Johnson and Ben Schweiger. Um, they have been playing more because Illinois basketball has been going on uh, for the past couple weeks. I think um, Ty Johnson and DePaul, um, I think they've only played like three games. I think they had like a, a week break because one of their coaches, I think, had COVID uh, or like per- team personnel, something like that. Um, Schweiger, on the other hand, has been playing, um, seems like every other day. Uh, for Will Bonzi Valley, and um, they're both doing really well. Um, I don't have any, like, stats in front of me of their, like, averages or anything like that. I, I It does seem like Johnson is scoring around, like, 25 points a game, if I had to guess, 
I'd say Schweiger is scoring around 20 points a game, maybe 18. Um, Schweiger's team has been kind of blowing a couple teams out here and there, uh, whereas DePaul has been kind of in a few more closer battles. Um, actually, just as I'm seeing this, uh, DePaul just beat the, who they play, Providence Catholic. So another win. I'll try to, when I hand it off to Lou, I'll try to find his stats. But, um, yeah, I think the guys are doing well. I've seen... Schweiger play a little bit more just like on streams and stuff. Um, and he is, I think he's, he's a good player. I think he's still pretty raw. Um, he's not someone who's going to take the ball all the time. Like he's definitely a complimentary player. And that's even obvious in high school. He does have a pretty good point guard on his team. Um, and he's just, but he's just so smooth. He's smooth to the, to the basket. He has a really nice shot. He uses his athleticism. When he's on the move, he is obviously better than everyone around him. Um, but when he becomes stagnant, it's kind of he kind of blends in with everyone else. So that's just kind of my take on on Schweiger as of now. But um, I don't know, Lou. Are you are you excited about some of the things you're seeing or uh, any of the highlights or anything like that from either of those guys? Yeah, I think it's interesting, Swagger, with the dunks and everything. I've, it have always been catching me. I, again, like you said, I, I'm more and, and nothing on Ben here, but like just John's, I just Ty, I'm getting more excited for it because it just reminds me of Marquise Kennedy, just because a really strong Chicago guard, a guy who's got really good handle and speed. While it seems like Ben kind of waits for play, from a play to develop instead of him kind of taking charge, but like when a play develops, he can spark and make a big dunk. He can make he's explosive, but it's so it's just interesting to see how potentially maybe they'll complement each other. One like will be the kind of ball carrier, and one will kind of play off the other one. So it is really interesting. I'm not going to be one who compares like who do we think they're kind of close to the on the team right now. I'm not one for that, mm-hmm. but I, I think they they do complement probably the potential of being in Porter system having a strong point guard with a good ball handle and having kind of a lengthy shooting guard-esque stretch forward potentially again porter loves playing small and ben um being able to kind of drive and also kind of sit on the wings so we'll see again i haven't watched too many highlights again just for me to sit and watch i do want to kind of start watching more again when it gets to the end of our season and just kind of get prepared of what we could potentially see next year. So it's exciting to see again. I really like the trend of our freshmen potentially being uh, six men of the year. I think this year was kind of mm-hmm. tough, but I really love seeing Marquise Kennedy. And even if they don't get that award, just playing to that caliber of a freshman being able to step up. And I personally think um, Cooper Cave has also stepped up his freshman year. So guys just really, I think can step up and, it, and it's really interesting to see in recent years, um, Baylor Hebb this year, I think, stepping up playing more than I actually thought he was, to be honest with you. Jacob mm-hmm. Hudson getting minutes all, of course. So freshman, um, potential future freshman is always great to see. And I love recruiting. I love seeing our guys be recruited. Um, I'd love to see more recruiting done, done by the team, meaning more offers and everything. But again, we don't know how the scholarship uh, kind of scale is going to come out this year. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for stats here. I can't really find anything yet, but the game just ended like half an hour ago. So gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they're both pretty exciting guys. Um, we'll, we'll keep sharing stuff when we find it. Um, either guys, I'm sure there'll probably be something from this game from Ty Johnson that we'll, we'll be sure to share. Um, so yeah, moving, moving on from that. Um, we do have Loyola basketball to talk about, which is what this podcast is about. Um, so this past week, 
we did not have any weekend games, which was um, weird. Very weird. Uh, it's just because that was it was a makeup weekend, so any teams that missed any games could use this weekend to to make those up. And uh, luckily, um, or happily, I guess we we didn't have to do that. But we did have a midweek game uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and that was after the one point loss at Drake on Sunday. So just, you know, two and a half, three days later. Um, and keep in mind, I mean, yeah, this Valpo team isn't very good uh, just in general, but they do have some pretty skilled players. Um, I think Porter has always said that Donovan Clay is the best pro prospect we have in our league, uh, which is probably true except for AJ Green. Um and Ben Cricky has given us problems in the past. Uh, Eric Gordon can score the ball. So, I mean, they have dudes for sure, uh, but they just haven't really put it all together, except for when they beat Drake. So uh, definitely a decent team. Um, and they came into this game, and they were giving us the business for a while. Uh, they went into halftime. Valpo was up three at half, 29-26. And uh, we came out in the second half and uh, – held our own and scored just enough to to win uh we ended up winning 54 to 52 in a very typical loyola 2020 2021 fashion in a very low scoring game so um yeah lou what uh let, let's let's before we get into the the negatives what was one thing that went right for this team um, let's see Well, the one right for this team was, and, and it's, it's so tough to say, but like, it's tough, not in the way it just, it's weird, but we did shoot 38% from field goal. That's not horrible. It's just not where we've been kind of hitting our strides this year. Um, mm-hmm. we were 41% from three. So again, for a team average, that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. That's so, uh, free throws again, not so great. Um, uh, but we can get into that later. So. This team is just this. This game was interesting. Our, our turnovers were eight total for such a tough, gritty game. We we barely turned the ball over, um, eight turnovers. And I believe if I just if you give me a second, yeah, we had six in the first half. So we only had two turnovers in the whole second half. So maybe a little bit more, a little bit better control of the ball. Uh, so it was just really interesting. Valpo did get a lot more points off turnovers, and when I say a lot, I just mean they had eight. Well, we had four, but again in this game. Uh, the bench points for Valpo. Valpo came off. Their bench really scored, and that was interesting. But for our guys, they stuck through it. And, like, I just think that's really interesting because we were down at half. It was a gritty way to kind of get back. I think we were 6-0 and the last minute into the first half, so that really excited me. I have to say, finishing the first half strong, not just letting the lead get away mm-hmm. and let it kind of not have a chance to really get back um, really was exciting to me because it's like, hey, these guys aren't waiting until the second half. They want to try to cut this lead. And I hear, I thought, closed the half really well. He drilled a three. Um, I believe Lucas also drilled the three mm-hmm. at the half there, so the guys weren't afraid. Um, but just an interesting game overall. Um, so I I think we'll just have to go into it a little bit more. Um, but, Buck, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned this a few times in past podcasts, and it's just like finding different ways to win basketball games. Like, this is... I can't believe, like, I, I saw, I actually didn't really watch this game live. I, I knew that it was either going to be a blowout, and, like, those are fun to watch, but, like, that's kind of what we expected, I think, especially after beating them so by so much last time, or 
if it's not a blowout, I'm going to be stressed as hell. Like, and yelling and screaming and biting my fingernails off and, you know, what else? And <laughs> lo and behold, I'm right. And as I'm watching the, you know, the kind of the final few minutes, um, like of the, the score casting, um, you know, it's a close game. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we must be either um, like shooting the ball horribly or turning the ball over or something. Like what's going on? We didn't even have that many turnovers. We had eight, nope. like you said. It's just shooting the ball poorly. I mean, yeah, 38%, like you said, it's not horrible, but it's, you know, we're used to seeing like 45% at least. Um, and just like to win a, a basketball game where we're shooting 38% from the field, like that's just a different way to win. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I just want to say, because it's your point, but it's from, I wrote it down, it's from a few, maybe last week, a few weeks ago. And it's so weird, and I really agree with you, is that we kind of got so privileged into what type of basketball we played. Like, oh, we shoot 50%. And it's like, hey, let's kind of get back to reality. 38% ain't bad game. It's just the results just looked a little weird. So I – and it's something that I really resonated with this game. I was like, it looked weird, but we weren't overly bad. Like, we just aren't playing the way we've played so far, I guess, this year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um... – we've i mean our defense is awesome like it's just top it, it is the number one uh scoring defense in all of college basketball mm-hmm. and and that's going to keep us in games and that's what it did in this game like you know it kept us in the drake part two game it kept us in the bradley game uh when we when we had a tough game against bradley and, and that's what that's what this team like really hangs their hat on is, is great, tough defense. So I, I bet, I mean, yeah, of course they probably went out and they had things to fix, but I would imagine that they were pretty proud of the defensive effort and they should be. I mean, like 52 points is, is good. And they, they, they created 12 turnovers. I mean, that's, it's a pretty good outing. It just is, I think, unfortunate that they can't turn some of those turnovers into more baskets. And I, I'm sure that there were certain guys on the team that were not okay with, you know, Tate Hall going 0 for 4. Um, Braden only hitting one of his four threes. Like, I'm sure those guys, they're just kind of individually were probably frustrated with uh, with their offensive performances. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Lou, do you, do you mind if I take another stab at something else? No, please. Um, Cooper Kafis. I mean, for a dude who's like not really played much since I can't even tell you, maybe a month ago. Um, you know, he comes in for a minute or two. Um, this game, he provided provided a huge spark off the bench. Uh, eight points, two assists, um, two three pointers. I mean, it's just like that's so important for a team to have some dude that can come off the bench, and and usually it's Marquise Kennedy, but. In this case, or Tate Hall, but in this case, neither of those guys really had it going. Um, and he provided eight huge points for this team when we really needed it. Um, and to assist, I mean, those in 10 minutes. So uh, really like a, a, a valuable outing for him. I'm really interested to see like how that affects uh, if he's going to play in the future. I, I, I got to imagine it's probably going to be a similar scenario if we're struggling like offensively as bad as we were. I mean, that's what he is. He's a really gifted offensive player. So, um, and then the only other thing before I let you get at it again, uh, Keith Clemens did have a good game, 16 points, five rebounds and assists, two steals. He hit four, three pointers, um, really good game from him. And especially after, I think I had mentioned last week that I was kind of hoping to see more from him. 
I'm glad he showed up. Now I just want the other guys to have to get more from them too. So let's get everyone to get more from them for next week. Um, but look, give me, give me, give me the bad stuff. What, what was some of the stuff that kind of drove you crazy? Well, no, I kind of, if you don't mind, I want to just, and again, let, let's just summarize this game. And I mm-hmm. think we, we, we all say it. It's, it's, it's Drake hangover. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think we tweeted that it was a Drake hangover. That was the summary of the first half. Cause if you look at the first half, um, not so many guys, again, it was kind of the Keith show and kind of the cam show. But that's where majority of our turnovers were. Uh, majority of the missed shots were. Um, we, we weren't driving to the basket overall. So it was just such a weird game. But I think it was the Drake hangover. A lot of people were saying, oh, this is what I this is the, the trap game I figured. And I was like, no, this wasn't a trap game. I figured this was just going to be like, a, hey, is there someone else going to step up? And like you said, I think Keith was the guy who stepped up. Uh, Cooper, like eight points in eight minutes absolutely a stat that needs to be said and then two assists mm-hmm. he came in going firing like not afraid and if i remember correctly yeah five of his eight points were all in the first half his seven minutes in the first half which i'm pretty sure were like kind of at toward the end of the first half were crucial one for two for three a bucket he went up for a bucket so just really great to see from him because it's crucial and in a game like this it's it's absolutely phenomenal to have guys step up tommy welch just only five minutes, so that was kind of weird. Marquis Kennedy, not really a game. Tate Hall, 0 for 4. So kind of the usual bench guys that get the points weren't really there. If you look at it, we only had four guys off the bench, and only two of them scored. Mm-hmm. And one scored eight, and Marquis Kennedy scored three. So, uh, again, it was a really interesting game. Marquis Kennedy was 1 for 6, so I didn't really like that. But I have to say ta- hats off to, I think, personally – um, both Cam and Keith, great games offensively, 16 and 13 points, absolutely phenomenal. Keith, four for seven from three. Love seeing that. Cam, six of 10 from field goal. Keith, five of nine. Um, Cam getting five assists, like that's just great. Um, and then, uh, again, both had two steals. I thought that was phenomenal. So um, just really an interesting game. First half, I think, was just Drake. But one thing I just want to say is, though, I was really intrigued by we didn't get to the free throw line. There's mm-hmm. one thing that we don't shoot. We don't. We, we shoot poorly at the free throw line. But there's another re- issue if we don't get to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that with teams against us. I think Drake in the first game they lost to us. I don't. If I remember correctly, I don't think they really got to the free throw line. So I think personally, that's how we won against Drake by getting Brody in the foul trouble. That's how you just get the team, the even a team like Valpo, uncomfortable because you switch up their lineups. So. Valpo, though, I have to ta- give my hats off to them. They beat uh, Drake, who was top 25 in the country at the time. Ben Cricky, or Kirk, however you want to pronounce it, I don't care, but he felt like he was everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. know why I felt that. And again, he 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 didn't really, he scored the most with 10 points. Or sorry, no, Zion Morgan scored the most, and we'll get into Zion Morgan. But Ben Cricky, I was really impressed. It just felt like he was everywhere, and it felt like he was just a step ahead on the first half. And I think our guys were just slow. But um, I have a quick question for you, Buck. Yeah. How did you feel? about Zion Morgan, first ever three-point in his life in college basketball. He hits two of them in a game against us. How do you feel about that? It literally always happens to us. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, but tap, uh, hats off to him. Another, And quite honestly, I love seeing Zion Morgan actually at Valpo. And people are going to be like, well, why do you want to see Valpo have a good player? Well, they lost Javen Freeman Liberty, and they picked up Zion Morgan in a transfer and another Chicago kid. And I loved seeing him uh, be kind of competitive because I'll be honest, everybody, 
I love seeing even J- Javon Freeman Liberty go up against us. How co- how could you not want this little rivalry? And I think again, like we said last week, everyone's kind of coming at us for a rival. Everyone's kind of chip at Loyola, and I like having Valpo's rival because it's our back door. Mm-hmm. If if a team in Chicago or in a team in such big Evanston don't want to play us, then they won't play us. So let's still play a team that's what an hour maybe away. I think I don't know. We had the bus there from the school that one year. So, like, I love seeing Valpo be a close game, not the game I wanted to see. Um, I thought the first half was going to be close, but, again, did not think it would be a, a game where it came down to two points. And uh, two tacky calls, I have to just say. Oh, yeah. Tell, calls. Me, tell me about it. Yeah. Ha- refs are blind, I have to admit. This is, what, the second uh, goaltending that wasn't called on us this year so far? Um, I don't know how you can pull on the net more than uh, what Ben Cricky did. Um, so that's just amazing. Who put up um, that shot for us? Do you remember? Who put up the... No, it was their shot. Oh, I see, I see. Like it Ben was... Cricky okay. grabbed the rim and it happened to go in, and I personally, I I almost think it was almost going in, but the, he pulled the net enough where it could have caused an issue. I easily think he, he didn't, like, tap it. He actually pulled it. So, yeah. but again, was, we're not going to go into tacky things because, again, that shouldn't be the reason why we lose a game. Um, but, um, that was just phenomenal to laugh at. But then at the end, they call a, what, a over the back or a push in the back that mm-hmm. got us the, cause I think he grabbed the rebound, whoever got called in the foul there at the end. So again, just an interesting game, uh, overall, I think it's not really the game we expected, but for a team Valpo that beat Drake, I think Valpo is better than what their record really shows. And I just think losing Javon Freeman Liberty was tough, but they got a decent team and I hope they get a few more experiences underneath their belts and next year they come out a little bit better yeah yeah no they're a good team they have some really skilled players i know they've been going through some like kind of difficulties because uh nick robinson um transferred out like mid-season it was actually such a weird article did you read that yeah i did he well he has a kid i believe he had a child and then it supposedly was it the coach's matt latek or whatever yeah asked him to like either decide if he was going to play or stay at home. So that was a little interesting. He was feeling uncomfortable with COVID and he wanted to, I think he wanted to like, he, he took a break from the team when he, uh, when his, his child was born. And I think he wanted to like take a little bit more time just to be safe, like in returning or something to that effect. And, and, and the coach told him like, you either, you need to make a decision. You either, uh, if you take more time off, don't, don't come back. I don't think that's probably pretty aggressive to say it that way, but in effect, that's what he said, or you can rejoin the team. And Nick Robinson said, look, I'm, you know, I got to be a dad or whatever. Yeah. I got to make sure I'm safe. So, um, so yeah, he's transferring. I think he still has one more year of eligibility left. So they've been, that team's been through a lot in the past 365 days. Um, the high highs of being in Arjmanis championship, then losing Javon Freeman and then, you know, just this whole season. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Majority of this team, if we're being honest, is the team that beat us in Arch Madness. Yeah. But again, Javon Freeman Liberty is a big minus. So, again, I think we have to give it to them there. But this is a decent team, but just not the game I expected. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna call it the Drake hangover, for at least for the yeah. first half. Drake for hangover. Sure. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the game. Um, like we said, just a two-point victory. Um, I did want to talk, uh, kind of the last thing in, in this week's episode, uh, kind of about the standings, Arch Madness, two-bid, three-bid Valley, because I think that's something that's um, at least worth talking about um, right now. So, as we know, you know, it's us and Drake at the top of uh, the Valley standings, 
Um, both teams are now 14-2. and two. Drake did defeat, uh, I think they played Evansville twice. Um, so we're both 14-2. and two. And then there's a big divide between fourth and fifth. So Missouri State is in third right now at 11-5. and five. Indiana State is in fourth at 10-6. and six. And then you got a, lot, a bunch of 6-10, and 5-11, and 4-4. And, and then Illinois State at the bottom, 4-12. Um, so here's kind of the scenarios left. So Drake just has two games left against Bradley. You know, we only have two games left against Southern. Um, if we both win out, we would both be at 16 and two. And according to some, um, there's a new stipulation within the seating of Arch Madness. Um, it used to be first, you know, they would be decided based on, you know, conference record. And then, if there was a tie, is head-to-head. And then after that, they used to use either RPI or the net rankings. Um, this year, uh, at the beginning of the year, they decided, since we don't really know if the net rankings are going to be all that effective, considering there's going to be less games played, especially less non-conference games played, um, the Valley decided that they were going to add in a stipulation uh, after head-to-head, um, that they were going to take in uh, descending order your common opponent games. So, for example, Loyola and Drake are, are tied, um, and then you would take, uh, since they split the uh, head-to-head games, you would take the best common opponent they played, which is Missouri State. Um, in the case of Missouri State, they both Drake and Loyola both won both games against them. So then you'd go to the next opponent, which is Indiana State. Drake beat Indiana State twice, and one of our conference losses was to Indiana State. So in that scenario, Drake would be the number one seed, I think, if I'm doing this right. Drake would be the number one seed. We would be the number two seed. Um, Do I think it's right? (laughs) No. Um, Do I think Drake would, in that case, deserve to be the number one seed? Absolutely not. I understand that the net ranking isn't perfect, but you can validate it with other ranking systems like Kenpom, like Oslometrics, like Bark Torvik. And in all of those circumstances, not only are we better than Drake, but we're significantly better than Drake. I mean, just look at the AP rankings. We are ranked, Drake is not. I understand it's not that simple, but sometimes it is. Uh, we are the better team. So um, kind of unfortunate that that would be how it would work out, but... You know, we would still technically get a share of the Valley regular season championship in that case. Um, and then, you know, it's just playing for, for Arch Madness. Um, I actually wanted to go through a couple scenarios because I've i kind of been thinking about this in my head about whether what's the best path we can take. So let's say, uh, for instance, like, you know, obviously our, our goal is to get to March Madness, is to get to the big tournament. Um, and... And, you know, there's always the um, the thought of, well, what happens if we lose a game? Are we still going to make it? Um, I've kind of been thinking about what the the best path to make sure we get into the tournament if we were to lose the conference championship game. I particularly think even if we win both games against Southern Illinois and then lose, I think we still have a pretty good shot at getting into March Madness. But just to assure you would want to win the best possible games leading up to, to the championship. 
So if we were to be the number two seed and Missouri State would were to be the number three seed, technically a win against Missouri State would be more beneficial than a win against Indiana State. Um, so in theory, we could play someone like, you know, potentially Evansville. Let's say we and uh, first since uh, seven through ten play on Thursday. Say on Friday we play Evansville. We beat Evansville, which is a pretty. You know, it's not a good win, but for the bottom half of the Valley, it's not a bad win. And then we would play potentially Missouri State if they win. We beat Missouri State, and then we go into the championship and we play either, you know, Drake potentially or Indiana State or something. If we were to lose that game in the championship, I think in that case, we still would be, we would make it into March Madness because we would most likely be ranked all the way through. Um, We would have picked up Another potential um, quad one slash quad two win um, being a neutral game against Missouri State. Um, And we would be finishing the season in that case like 23 and five, which is just a pretty good record. All that being said, Lou, have you been following along? Are you taking notes? Um, And do you understand or agree or disagree with anything I've said so far? (laughs) <laughs> it's so interesting because I listened to the John Rothstein uh, interview with Porter Moser uh, last week, um, and it was like even he talked about it. Porter, I think, brought up the net or however he brought it up in the conversation. Even John Rothstein said the net's not perfect. The net's mm-hmm. not the great. So it's just it's really interesting to me how we consider or what we consider the proper ranking. Um, not saying because there there is a perfect ranking. I, I for sure understand that it's really, really tough to come up with a proper ranking. Look at college football, how to change it. They changed it to the college football playoff and stuff like that. So I, I, I see from just watching other sports that it's tough. But there has to be, in my opinion, some understanding of, like, well, what's a quality win and what's not? And why isn't this a quality win? So I think just for the fairness, it's just like there has to be an, another way if it really comes out to that the Indiana State loss is worse for us than the Valpo loss to Drake. Like, that's what I'm trying to have a hard understanding with, mm-hmm. is how does the, our Indiana State loss become worse um, than the um, Indiana State loss? Or how does it not, the Valpo loss? Uh, a Valpo loss that Drake committed should be, in my opinion, a worse, I guess, value loss. So, again, I'm even confused, and I'm kind of re-saying what I'm saying. So it's a hard hard situation, in my opinion, to really wrap our heads around. Um, I just think it's something that we will kind of run into an issue come the, maybe potentially this weekend uh, with how the rest of the regular season pans out. And I guess, like, maybe it's as simple as this. Would you rather play right now, like, uh, tomorrow, would you rather play Missouri State or Indiana State? Just one-off game. Who do you feel more comfortable playing against? Indiana State. Really, you you would prefer to play Indiana State yeah, against Missouri State. But if you said Valpo, I'd say no, I'd no, no, no. I'm just saying Loyola Bas Loyola men's basketball against either. If you have, you just need to win one game. Yeah. Say, you know, they say you have to win one game. And you, you get to pick your opponent. You're Porter Moser. Do you pick to play against Missouri State or do you pick to play against Indiana State? Like, who are you more confident that you can beat? Uh, Indiana State, just because Cage Prim has had, like, okay. unreal games recently. So I just think that momentum for Cage Prim is just I, unreal. 
I get that. And it it's also super difficult to beat a team three times, like, in the same season. There you go. There you um, go. I particularly would take Missouri State. I just think that we bothered them so much on defense. I, I get it. I Gage Prim is super frightening as well. Like, I, I understand that. But I think um, we did such a good job on Isaiah Mosley and, and just kind of frustrated them um, otherwise. But I don't necessarily know if there's a right answer. I think no. both teams are pretty good. Um, and and, and I, I love that point because I don't even think the really the, the reporters know if there's a right answer or not, in no. my opinion. So it's just one of those things. It's a learning process nearly, and everyone's everyone's trying to figure it out and figure out what's going on the rest of the season. So I wonder what um what the odds are for like in Vegas for any team like the bottom portion of the valley. So like why are we go, we we betting uh, <laughs> another Valpo run where they win four nearly try I, to win four straight games? I don't know. I mean, yeah, because right now in my eyes, like it's a four horse race right between Drake mm-hmm. Loyola Missouri State Indiana State yep. like I would be I can't even see any of those other teams like I maybe I guess the only one if Evansville could get hot from three um Felpo has the opportunity they, they play pretty good defense but also is Southern Illinois getting Marcus Domask back <laughs> uh I believe he's been out kind of with injuries so he's been be out the whole year yeah, pretty much majority of the year, especially with the COVID-ridden year. So it's been it's been quite a season for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. Maybe Marcus Domes comes back and he'll go off. I don't know. I think the again, it's the Valley is always an interesting conference, and our, that's why Arch Madness is coming up on a week away, depending on depending on when you're listening to this, and it's just really exciting in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and the the next so for next week we're gonna have to uh, come up with our all Valley teams. Oh. Uh, one through three maybe we'll just do two uh we'll come up with freshman of the year newcomer of the year defensive player of the year <coughs> lucas williamson <coughs> um who that yeah i don't also who gets I, I at this point i mean like player of the year is probably all but wrapped up right like even if i don't uh, it's so tough to say because if for whatever reason loyola either loyola or drake loses this weekend like it's is it automatically going to be a player from the other team? Like, if if say say we drop a game, say we lose to Southern, does that mean and Drake wins both their games and they win the conference outright? Do we think that automatically means the player of the year has to come from Drake? Because right now, who who would it be? Roman Penn, he's out. Like Hemphill, he's been out longer. Um, Tramel Murphy, I don't know. I don't think he has the numbers. So. Is it just, is it Cam? Do we think it's that easy? Is it already wrapped up? And I think that's where we're going to have a really interesting conversation, I think, next week, because it's going to be like, what is that situation? Because, again, we'll have technically first and second place in the Valley come next week. So we'll we'll know what we've seen. And, again, maybe, you know what, this is a project for us. I will, and maybe you will, we'll go to see, has that always been the situation? Have Always the team that won been the team that had the Valley Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. The the last thing I can think of is uh, when we tied with Drake last t- uh, twenty what nineteen or whatever. Uh, Marcus Towns was Player of the Year. So, yeah. But but almost rightfully so. It's and, and I don't think most of the time that if the team's in if the team is um, tied for first, there is a player on the team that has a has made a right. reason for that team to be first. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll save it for next week because we uh, 
We got we got we got to save our save our breath on that one. There's too many unknowns. There really are. There really are. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got two games this week: Friday, Saturday night um, against Southern Illinois. It is senior night. Uh, I think they're they're probably doing senior night on Saturday. Um, they asked actually Porter about it in the uh, coaches conference this week. <laughs> he was like, I honestly don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know any of the festivities. He did say that um, he didn't think the parents were going to be allowed to go, mm-hmm. which is super unfortunate. I, I understand we're trying to be safe, but this is like a, a huge lifetime achievement for these players. I wish there would have been a way to get even just one of their parents or you know guardians or whoever that person mm-hmm. is for them to be able to be there. Um, maybe all five of the guys will return and they'll get a chance to do it next year, um, but... Um, yeah, those two games this weekend. I think Friday night's at 8 and Saturday's at 5, I believe. Yeah, they're really, really weird times. I'll just confirm. Yeah. Friday uh, uh, Friday is at 8 uh-huh. um, on the great old CBS Sports Network. Oh, good. And then uh, Saturday is at 5. Good, wow. What well, amazing I, I times remember. we got. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah, but Lou, do you have anything else to add for uh, this week's episode? I think uh, come Sunday we'll get a kind of a understanding of where the team lies. I don't know when the Valley user releases standings, but I think it's probably we'll see set when. When does Drake play? Does Drake play on Saturday as well? I think everyone's wrapped up by Saturday night. I don't think there's any games on Sunday. Okay, because the only thing is, would we potentially see, um, you know, how a few years ago when we won, we had the the banner, right? Uh, or like that poster board. So we'll see then Saturday Drake's playing at seven on a Bradley team. That's kind of lost some players. So we'll see if they're hosting uh, some little uh, banner or cutting down any net. So we'll see. Yeah. I wonder how that's all going to work. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. I, I, the only thing I have to say is I think, uh, I think both teams, I think both loyal and Drake win both their games this weekend. I, I, I just think I can't really see it any other way. Um, and that would make sense because Drake and Loyal have both been such great teams this year, such fun stories to watch. So um, let's uh, let's go out there and get two Ws. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it uh, from Buck and Lou here at Podcast 63. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget, go Blurs.